Welcome to Banking on KC. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. With us on this episode is award-winning musician, urbanist, and serial entrepreneur, Kemet Coleman. And he's also the catalyst behind Vine Street Brewing, a new brewery scheduled to open in early 2022. Welcome, Kemet. Hello, and thank you for having me, Kelly. You've been called a creative placemaker. What does that mean, Kemet? You know, it's actually a very new title, almost a new kind of lane in the urban planning and community organizing, community building space. It's only been around for about 10 or 15 years. And creative placemaking is basically finding ways to engage community and build communities that that put the arts and creativity first. An example of some of my creative placemaking work is through my work with Palooza Community Festival that I helped start in 2018. And so, you know, it's basically a near several development projects that have kind of encroached on historically Black communities. And we wanted to find a way for all the community to come together. And so we, we invited artists and had live music and had family fun. So, you know, that's kind of an example of creative placemaking. It's definitely more kind of like event or festivals or kind of uh, community engagement programs to build community. Bringing people together. Your music reflects this. I said you're award winning. You have received many, many accolades for your music. Uh, As a musician, you've played what many, including the Kansas City Star, would call a significant role in Kansas City's modern musical and cultural identity. So that ties right in with the Creative Placemaker moniker. First, what do you draw your inspiration from? And second, how do you hope that your music inspires others? I don't actually know where my inspiration comes from. I think it just, like, part of me feels like I'm a vessel that just receives uh, input. And so I feel like it's just my duty to do good for the community. You know, I've tried to separate all of the things that I do, and it's kind of hard. And so I would say what definitely inspires me, you know, kind of on this level is, is seeing people come together despite their differences and celebrating, you know, some of their nuances and and then supporting those nuances instead of, you know, using them to tear each other down. And so, you know, I just feel like the world should be a a better place. And I think, you know, I was put here to use my creativity to help do that. You have a song called Get Out. Some people call it the streetcar song. That's really kind of been adopted for the streetcar project. Tell us about that. Yeah. So as an urbanist, you know, someone that cares about the built environment and, you know, how humans live our daily lives and and how innovation and cities are innovation. I immediately think of public transit as as the best way to kind of be a, a driving force for that. And so when the streetcar came around, I was obviously interested in doing something, you know, related to the streetcar, but also musically. And so I reached out to them and said, hey, I can do, I want to do a song for the streetcar. David Johnson, who was kind of at the helm at, at that particular time, uh, said, sure, let's do it. And then I was like, okay, well, I can do a streetcar song or I can do a song that's good and references the streetcar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he's like, let's do that one. And so I was like, all right, well, let me, let me try to make a hit record really quick. No pressure, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, I was like, okay, well, if I do this, I want to have a streetcar for a whole day so I can shoot a music video. He connected with me, uh, me with Donna Mandelbaum at the streetcar. And then she uh, gave me one of the streetcars for the whole day before it opened. And we were, we were one of the first riders on there. And it was a cool experience. You know, I think people, people can see the the full video in its full glory on YouTube. It's, 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 it's one of my favorite uh, projects ever. 
was talking to somebody the other day and letting them know that that song is open source. So any community project that, you know, is about progress that wants to use the song can totally use it whenever. Oh, what a great gift that is. You know, you've also announced your Eyes on the Street project. What is the focus of that one? You know, Eyes on the Street is also kind of another culmination of my interest in music and urbanism and beer. So, you know, this is the first time I kind of blended all three of those things, which sets a tone for where I'm headed in the future. It all started with the music um, and my desire to create an album that utilized the term Eyes on the Street, which is a concept that was coined by Jane Jacobs. She's an urbanist, famous urbanist, urban planner, um, self-taught from New York, spent most of her time in New York. Anyways, she describes Eyes on the Street as kind of the regular self-security forces that communities kind of innately have when there's density. And so if you see um, people walking down the street and there's a high density of people on, on a particular block, those eyes kind of self-secure the, the space. So I wanted to do that in an album form, you know, and really kind of, I mean, that can be kind of a... I don't want to say boring topic, but that can that topic kind of needs a little bit of love to to make it into like a hip hop form, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> so what I did was I just kind of, you know, took part parts of my own story, you know, someone that grew up in urban Kansas City and kind of reflected those in, in each of the songs. So I did that. And then after the music was done, I approached Crane Brewing and said, hey, I want to do a beer with this, too, because I had done a beer previously with Black is Beautiful. Yeah, they said, yeah, let's do it. And so uh, we got together. We came up with a recipe. I described the album to them. They said, hey, this sounds like they basically paired ingredients, you know, beer ingredients with with aspects of the album. And so uh, we came up with the recipe and then, you know, the rest is kind of history. The nice part about it, too, is that proceeds from it go to gift, correct? The beer was going to be a limited release. We were going to do 100 crowlers, and I think they were going to do a couple kegs to put in the tap room at Crane. And with our with our previous collaboration, Crane and I, we gave a, a pretty significant percentage of our sales to Gift as well. And Gift is a nonprofit I'm supporting just because of how how well it focuses on giving capital to, to urban you know, kind of inner city zip codes. Mm-hmm. We basically agreed that we would give another percentage to to gift. And, you know, this is the second time I've done something like this. I've done another album where I donated the majority of that money to Kansas City Young Audiences. Gift gives grants to Black-owned businesses within, you know, Kansas City's most distressed zip codes. You know, I, I live in one of those zip codes. I've, I've continued to live in several of the zip codes that are on there. And I know what those communities um, have and don't have. And so what I do know is that they have ingenuity and there's tons of people that are entrepreneurs, not because it was a hobby or something they wanted to do. It was because of survival. And I think if we can have those, you know, that same spirit kind of uplifted, then I think um, we're on something great. And so gift is at the heart of that. One of your latest ventures, you know, you're very interested in beer. You said you like beer, although I guess as a young man, you really didn't like it, but then you found craft beer and, and yeah. you're all you're all in now because you're <laughs> even starting your own brewery, Vine Street Brewing. It will be the first Black-owned brewery in Kansas City. So tell us about how you got involved in that, how plans are proceeding, and how you think it's going to impact that 18th and Vine area. Yeah, absolutely. People don't necessarily know my beer background just because I haven't really spoke on it a lot. Some people know that I I was an employee at Boulevard uh, Brewing Company at, in 2013. 
uh, doing tours and kind of the whole guest experience thing at the tap room and all that stuff. And so that's actually how I met Woody, um, who's one of my business partners for Vine Street. He did a tour with me. I was his tour guide and we hadn't, we didn't talk for another five or six years. And I met him at a festival. He was putting on beer festival. He was putting on, you know, after my, my time at Boulevard, I realized that, wow, this is such a cool industry. I love to be in because at the time I was doing music and music was not you know, necessarily paying at the time what I needed it to be. And so I thought about like, Hey, what, you know, if I'm going to get a job, like where do I want to work? And there was like three or four places and Boulevard was one of them. So they hired me and that was a, that was a great experience. Um, just getting to take that immersive deep dive into beer, because at that point I learned a lot about the beer process, but also about the guest experience and like community building and mm-hmm. beer products and stuff like that. So Long story short, over the years, I thought it was a good idea for me to start my own brewery. I thought, you know, it would be, I've always wanted my own space or my own music venue or some type of space that people would know I could leave my mark on. And breweries sounded like a good idea because the the fact is breweries are great for building community and just think about what they've done in the crossroads here in Kansas City. I mean, right, right. I thought it was a good idea for starting my own brewery. So I, I, t- I tried three or four times uh, to no success. And this last time, you know, my wife and I were, you know, and we were just laughing because it's she's like, hey, are you are you going to do this or not? <laughs> and so, you know, there's been kind of, you know, I've gone deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole and each time. And after the pandemic, I had lots of time to think and, you know, really think about like where I want my career to go and and all the things that I've kind of thrown at the wall and hoping that have stuck between my bands and, and projects and my own solo act and things of that nature. And basically this was kind of going to be my my last kind of big shot that I was going to gamble on at the time. And so, you know, I did, and I talked to Woody and Woody thought about it and it worked for him. And he talked to Elliot and Elliot thought about it and worked for him. And next thing I know we're moving. (laughs) So to answer your question about, you know, its impact on the community, I really think this is going to be a a really big deal. It's going to be, I think the bridge between East and West Kansas city and hopefully be a standard for what, you know, community can can look like when we celebrate diversity and, um, you know, understand that our beauty is in that diversity and also understand that the 18th and Vine area is our most important real estate in Kansas City. It's what people travel internationally to see. When I was presented the, the, the location that we chose at 2000 Vine Street, I was like, I have to do this. Yeah, you mentioned that people come internationally. Kansas City has so many jewels, uh, historic jewels, and then more recent ones. We have the Negro Baseball Leaves Museum. We have the Gem Theater. Uh, Black Archives are there. And Blue Room, that is home to many jazz artists. I mean, just so many things in, in that area. And, and now you're going to have the first Black-owned brewery there. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We are... We are absolutely overwhelmed in a great and a beautiful way with the amount of history and context and culture and music and and images and all the different artifacts of jazz heritage and black culture here in Kansas City that we now have a duty to utilize and to showcase and to share with our city and to the world. I'm big on, on history. I used to run a social club that put on events that showcased the invisible histories of Kansas City. So you know, when we talk about invisible histories, there's so much that we can talk about. And if we can not only give people a, a great place to have a good beer, 
if we can not only, you know, have uh, live music that kind of, you know, re-emanates the, the jazz heritage, if we can also share the stories of those who are forgotten in the 18th Vine area and beyond, if we can build community and bridge East and West, then I think we're on to something major. You definitely are. And this is still slated to open in early 2022. So early next year. Yeah, we're on track for February of 2022. You also had a podcast series, if I remember correctly, it was a 10 episode series. And it invited listeners to imagine the future of downtown Kansas City in that regard. What did you hear from your listeners? What we heard was that these these conversations were so necessary and people have been waiting for them to happen. We spoke with Metropolitan Community College in, in Penn Valley. I mean, we spoke with developers who are building or redoing the Kansas City Star, original Kansas City Star building into something major. We spoke to Kansas City Center for Neighborhoods. There were so many important conversations that were had during that 10 episode podcast that continue to, to, to need to be addressed and are being addressed right now in a lot of my, my other work. Yeah, I would love to expound upon what we started with the podcast. And, you know, I think what we did was allow for these urban conversations that you don't necessarily get to hear. Um, and we put it on a platform that everyone could easily get access to. So I think, you know, more conversations like this and like what you and me are having are necessary for sure. And that podcast, that 10 episode series is available, I believe on the downtown council's website. Is that correct? Yeah, it's on downtown council's website. I think it should be on, you know, Spotify and Apple music and all those. Yeah. Wherever people listen to their podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. Kemet, what is your vision for the future of Kansas City? You know, my, my vision includes a lot, a lot of density and kind of diverse uses. And, you know, really, I think that's my local vision, but my regional vision is for Kansas City to become what it wants to be, which is a regional destination that could represent the best of the Midwest, you know, from Omaha to, you know, Columbia to St. Louis to Tulsa to Oklahoma City. A lot of folks in those cities look to Kansas City as the beacon because of 18th and Vine. And so I think if we can live up to that spirit, we're going to win. Kemet, thank you so much for coming on the show today, for all the work that you do in the community, to be that creative placemaker and to make a lot of lives better. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is Joe Close, president of Country Club Bank. Thank you to Kemet Coleman for being our guest on this episode of Banking on KC. Kemet calls himself a creative placemaker, and Kansas City is fortunate to be the place where Kemet is unleashing his creativity to build community. His creative inspiration flows from the desire to see people come together in spite of their differences and celebrate one another. Not surprisingly, one of his favorite projects was writing Get Out, otherwise known as the Streetcar Song, because the streetcar connects communities just as Kemet strives to do. His latest endeavor, Vine Street Brewery, will be the first Black-owned brewery in Kansas City when it opens in the 18th and Vine District in early 2022. Besides creating a physical space where Kansas Cityans can gather over a beer, Kemet hopes the brewery can set the standard for what a community can look like when it celebrates diversity. As he says, if we can build community and bridge East and West, then I think we're onto something major. People like Kemet inspire all of us at Country Club Bank to continue our work to build a better Kansas City. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're banking on you, Kansas City. 
Country Club Bank, member FDIC.